Listen, a couple quick things. We're going to get out of the way real quick, and then we're going to let the man that's come to bring the word come up here and bring the word. But I just want to invite Four Points Church, regular attendees, to to join me honoring a couple groups today, if y'all will. First, the football teams at Woodruff High School are here worshiping with us today. Can we honor the fact that they're here with us? Come on. Come on, everybody. Let's honor them. Listen, we're not trying to make y'all feel uncomfortable by doing that. We're just so honored that y'all would come. And we're pumped. And we can't wait to hang out with y'all. But y'all are about to be really blessed, I'm just telling you. Because this sweaty big guy is going to get off the stage. And the much better shaped big guy is going to get up here. And he's going to give you a word. And so I'm pumped. Listen, I just, I want to tell everybody the why behind this day. Because... People know who Travis Blanks is. If you're a Clemson fan, you cheered him on last year. And I can tell you a bunch of stats about him. Travis was an first-team All-American freshman. It looked like Travis was going to have this career that was going to be like first-round NFL, and difficulty came his way. Perseverance is not something he preaches on today, and I just want to honor him and say, I've always loved him from a distance, even as a Gamecock, everybody. I've always loved him as a distance, from a distance, the way he persevered through difficulty. And I can tell you, like, stats and the fact that he had tackles in the national championship game and that they were a trick play away from being national champions. And I can tell you all this stuff. But here's why we brought Travis Blanks today. It's because I'm telling y'all, y'all are going to experience a kingdom voice in this place today. God did, it was unbelievable, y'all, in the first service. And and I'm honored, Travis, to call you my friend. I'm honored that you would bring your beautiful wife and y'all would hang out with us today. And I, listen, y'all just showed honor. But for our guests today that's coming to bring the word, to honor the word of God, to honor the king of kings, and to honor our man that's coming up here that's my friend, will y'all just stand to your feet and yet let, just you let out a yell to honor my friend. Travis Blanks. Come on, everybody. Good morning, Four Points. Oh, come on. That was weak now. Good morning. All right. There we go. There we go. There we go. Um, I want to introduce my wife, Chandler. She's talking during service what not to do. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is my wife, Chandler. We, we got married a month and a half ago, and we're still married, so I'm excited about that. This marriage thing is easy. <laughs> um, I'm so humbled to be here. Um, every time I get the opportunity uh, to talk to you guys about Jesus and to share a little bit about myself, I take that very seriously because I bear the name of Jesus, and I, and, and, and I want nothing much more than to be a good representation of my father. Um, but before I start, the Lord kind of took me in a different direction. Um, I want to talk to the young people. How many of you are starting school uh, here in a couple days, Monday, Tuesday, whenever? Okay. I want to talk to the students for a second. And the Lord really put this on my heart. You know, as Pastor Mark was introducing me and just telling you guys a little bit about what I did in my NFL career, I was captain in the national championship game and started every game and was a freshman All-American. I kind of want to talk to you about identity. You guys are young. You guys are in a stage of your life where you're, you're figuring out your identity. 
you're figuring out where you want to, which direction you're going to go in in life. Um, you're in high school, middle school, elementary school, whatever. You have a choice either to go left or to go right, the right way. And I want to tell you that outside of Christ, you have no identity that will sustain you. Pastor Mark was talking about how I persevered. Um, when I first got to Clemson, well, going back to my high school days, I was the number two country, number two safety in the country. Like every 50 states, I was the number two ranked safety in the entire country. Had scholarships, scholarship offers to go to any school that I wanted to. Any school. I could have picked it. Stanford, Oregon, Alabama, you name it. TCU, anywhere. Oklahoma. Could have went anywhere. Got to Clemson. Started from day one. Freshman All-American. My sophomore year. Ranked the number one safety in my class on the NFL draft board. Tore my ACL. Tore it again. Came back senior year. Started, played. Didn't get drafted. Not playing in the NFL. Why do I tell you that? Because if it weren't for Jesus in my life, oh, I, I, I would have failed. I would have, I don't know what I would have done. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the stand, on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You see, Jesus is the rock. You see, football ain't the rock. Money ain't the rock. Your boyfriend or girlfriend ain't the rock. If you choose to go any other direction and allow any other thing outside of Jesus to be your identity, you will fail. That's not to say that when you allow Jesus to become your identity that you won't go through adverse situations in life because you will. And I'm going to walk in testimony of it. You know, as long as we're in this flesh, we will face adversity. We will go through tough times, but we won't fail because Jesus is the rock. And when the winds come and tough times in life come and beat up against you and knock you all over the place, at the end of the day, you will stand because your identity is Jesus. But woe to the man who puts his identity in anything else outside of Jesus. So I challenge you as you get ready to go to high school, middle school, whatever, identify with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you will before you walk out of those two doors today. But it's a scary time that we're living in. And me personally, I would not like to be living without Jesus. And, and I get to lay down at night and have peace, knowing that no matter what situation that life brings about to me, the Lord is my savior. And I can get through anything with him because his Bible tells me so. Um, and so I just encourage you guys, you know, make good decisions. The, the decisions that you make, if it doesn't align with this, this word, then it's the wrong decision. You know, don't be suckered into peer pressure and all of that stuff.
you know, I was once your age and, and I was faced with that same decision. I came to Christ when I was in eighth grade. Best decision I ever made. Marrying my wife was the second. Playing football was probably the third, fourth, or fifth. It is not the most important thing in life to you football guys. Um, you know, but getting, getting to the message, I felt like the Holy Spirit led me, and I, had, I, I, I was challenged to say that to you guys. Um, getting, getting back on track. Hey, go ahead. Getting back on track with the message. You know, this is the message that's been on my heart for a long time. You know, as a follower of Jesus, I live by the word of God. And it hurts me when things don't operate as God intended them to operate. And I, I look at all the issues that's going on in this world today, and it just breaks my heart. You know, I was reading the USA Today this morning in Milwaukee. Like five people got killed in a nine-hour uh, span of time. You know, an officer got killed in Georgia. You know, it's just complete chaos going on, hatred going on. So many things in this world that, that's going on. But this is my problem. My problem isn't with the world. Because a horse without a bit would be a wild horse. I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse before, but if you try riding a horse without a bit in his mouth, you, you in for a long ride. I ain't trying that. You know, a ship without a rudder has no direction for you boat guys. If your boat and all that doesn't have a rudder in it, good luck. Probably going to end up on uh, Duke Energy Dam somewhere. Um, but it ha a ship without a rudder has no direction. So a person without Jesus is a lost person. A person without Jesus has no direction in life. They have no standard in life. They have no morals in life. So my problem isn't with the world because the world is going to do worldly things. The world is going to act like the world. My problem is with the body of Christ. Because if the world has no direction, who has the direction? We do. We, we have the goods. We have the manual to life. God left it up to us to change the world. That's why God told us that we are the salt of the world. We are the light. We're supposed to be making the difference. And this is the problem that I have. Instead of us making a difference, you have a bunch of Christians, professed Christians that love God, that are out assisting the world in, with hatred, violence, but professing the name of Jesus at the same time. And that doesn't go together. You know, I think about issues and just bear with me because I'm going to dig down deep into some issues now. You know, I think about issues like or movements like Black Lives Matter. And I'm going to talk about a few different things. When I see stuff like that, it disgusts me because that's racism. Because I was reading in the newspaper back in my hometown where two young African-American men got killed. And I went on my social media. I didn't see any hashtags with Black Lives Matter. I didn't see any of that stuff. So that tells me that it's okay when a black man kills a black man. But when a white man does it, our lives matter all of a sudden. 
That's racism. And you have Christians joining in on it. Oh, but I'm going to talk about some other stuff, too. When the Confederate flag got taken down from the state house last summer, all hell broke loose. And I was talking to one of my buddies, Stanton Seconder, played football with him on Clemson football team, tight end. He's from Charleston. Granddad was in the Confederate War and all of that. And he and I, I love him to death. He's white. I love him to death. We were just talking. I was trying to get an understanding of him. I'm like, bro, explain this to me. Like, what's going on? Because all I see is hatred going on. He was like, explaining everything to me. And he said, at the end of what he said, he said, you know what, Trav? At the end of the day, yeah, my grandfather was in the Confederate War. But if that flag hurts you, I don't have a problem taking it down because I love Jesus. You see, the deeper issue, what we're dealing with was racism. It wasn't, it wasn't heritage because the Bible tells me that if I love God, I cannot hate my brother. And I must love my brother in order to love God. That's what the Bible tells me. So if you truly love God, what matters more to you, your tradition or the word of God? Those are the type of issues that we're dealing with. You know, oh, I'm about to go a little deeper, too. This is going to get uncomfortable up in here, and I, I'm glad, too. Um, my wife, I don't know if any of you are colorblind or any of that, but my wife is white. I'm not sure if you can tell that or not. I'm from Florida. I'm not from the South, per se. My wife and I started dating my freshman year in college, and we were surrounded by some very, very strong Christians, people that professed to believe the word of God and, to my knowledge, lived the word of God. But when Chandler and I started dating, you know, I noticed that those people that said they love God, they had a problem with us dating because I'm black and she's white. And in my mind, as a Christian, I'm trying to put two and two together. Like, you know, I search scripture front and back. I'm like, I don't see it. All I see is love your brother, love your neighbor as yourself. I didn't see anywhere in the Bible where it says love your white neighbor or love your black neighbor or love your Mexican neighbor or love your neighbor as long as he doesn't date outside his race or love your neighbor as long as he's a Republican or a Democrat. I can't find it in scripture. And my wife and I, you know, my wife and I were driving over here this morning and she brought up a great point. She was like, Trav, how ironic is it? that in the South, all of these traditions and, and, and ways of living, all of these things that contradict, and, and nothing against the South. I love the South. I, we love South Carolina. Nothing against it. But she was just saying that how ironic is it that all, some of the traditions that people live by, how they contradict the word of God, and we're considered to be in the Bible Belt. Come on, man. That's an abomination. That's absolute. That's an abomination. And it, I, can't, I could not get my mind around how people, they want Jesus, but they want their way of living too. And I ain't just talking about the South. I'm talking about people across the board. You know, and as I just think about some of these issues, this is what Satan has done to us. And this is how blinded we are to what's going on. 
The Bible says that a house divided cannot stand. It cannot stand. If the mother's against the father, if the father's against the mother, against the son, against the daughter, that house can't stand. Without love and unity, a house divided cannot stand. And what Satan has done to us, he's begun to divide us in order to conquer us. How has Satan began to divide us? Well, let's just look at politics. You see how crazy people are about politics. Oh, Christians, and we're some of the worst. We love Jesus, but if you ain't Democrat, oh, you, you, oh I don't believe that now. If you, if, I, I love Jesus, but if you're not Republican, I don't want to hear from you. Division. Satanic. That's what it is. Think about race. Oh, I love Jesus as long as my daughter don't date a black man. Oh, I love Jesus as long as my son don't, don't date a white girl. Come on now. That's what Satan has done to us. He's created so much division that we're blinded to. And he's using it to conquer us. Think about social class. Well, this person ain't doing this, and my, my tax dollars are paying for that, and, and division. If they don't walk like me and talk like me and drive like drive what I drive and have the same beliefs and opinions that, as me, then we can't get along. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. I was talking to a woman, and she was just, we were just talking about the Lord and all, and she said, you know, Trav, the weirdest thing happened to me. You know, I was talking to a friend, um, and I invited to take her daughter to VBS at my church. You know, VBS is great for the kids, you know. It teaches them about Jesus and kind of, you know, gets them on path. And, she's, and, and, and the woman's response to her was that, oh, I ain't letting my child go there. We're Baptists through and through. You go to a Presbyterian church. Are you kidding me? Satan has completely blinded us to the point where we can't even go to another church because they wear jeans and we wear slacks. Because they sing hymns and we sing contemporary music. Or they have whites at that church and they have blacks at that church. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about a denomination. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about how you praise and worship or the makeup of your church. Nowhere in the Bible does it say how you need to dress at church. You see, all of that stuff, we created that stuff. We've allowed Satan to blind us to follow these things. I can walk, I can walk into a Baptist church just like I can a Presbyterian church and get the same thing out of it because at the end of the day, this is the only thing that matters. And see, that's the problem. This is not the only thing that matters to us anymore. We care about everything else. We care about skin color, uh, uh, political affiliation, uh, social status, what, what color the pastor is, where you sit in church. This is what we've made it about. And this is why chaos and violence and hatred continues to be unsolved in this country because the body of Christ ain't fixing it. God ain't coming down from heaven to fix it. He put it in our hands to fix it. God is not, he is not a fairy godparent. 
He's not going to do a magic wand. You just go to church on Sunday, read your Bible, and then I'll magic wand it and fix it. No, that's not how it works. For everyone who bears the name of Jesus, it's up to us. And what are we doing with it? Do we have the love of God in us? And I want to talk to you about what is love and why does love matter? If I love God, that's what we're going to talk about. 1 John 4.21. In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Number one, love is a commandment from God. When I went to Clemson, one of the first meetings I had with Coach Sweeney, he sat me down, you know, trial. I want to just explain this to you. When, you. when you come to Clemson and you sign this scholarship, you no longer just represent yourself. You represent Clemson University, the school. You represent the football program. You represent the athletic program. You represent this community. You represent my name. So from here on out, how you conduct yourself is a reflection of all those things. And it's the same way with Jesus. You see, when you profess the name of Jesus, you forfeit the right to choose who you want to love. Because God loves everybody. And, and, and the Bible says that in this commandment, you see, God didn't ask you to love your neighbor. He didn't advise you to ask, uh, love your neighbor. He commanded you to. And guess what? You don't get the option to choose who you want to love. I'm sorry. You know, like I told the last service, if you want to choose who you want to love, that's great. Just don't put the name of Jesus on it with you because you're misleading people. You see, when Jesus came and died, he didn't just die for blacks. He didn't just die for whites. He didn't just die for any certain ethnicity or race. He didn't die for the rich and not die for the poor. He didn't die for if, only, only for you if your occupation was this and you didn't do this. Jesus died for every single person. And he commanded us to love your brother. So you don't get a choice. When you, when you put the name of Jesus on your back, when I put the name of Clemson on my back, I didn't get a choice of, what, of some of the things I got to do anymore. I have to represent that program with class and dignity. I forfeited that right when I signed that scholarship. So you don't get a chance, you don't get a choice to who you love because God commanded you to love your brother. Point number two, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I speak in tongues, of men and of angels, but have not love. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And let me just give you a background into this. I don't know if you know who wrote this, but this is Paul 
he once was Saul, had an encounter with God, and he transformed into Paul. Paul has written over one-third of the New Testament. This is a guy who has done amazing things for the kingdom of God. He suffered for the kingdom of God. He's traveled thousands of miles for the kingdom of God. He's done so many things that if you could pay for your way into heaven, he would have been first class. But Paul said that I can do all these things, but if I don't have love, I have nothing. You see, you can come to all the church services you want. You can tithe as much as you want. You can go as on, on many missions trips as you want. You can give to the homeless as much as you want. You can serve at the soup kitchens and, and do all of that stuff, and that's great. You can have faith that moves mountains. But guess what the Bible said? You can't get around love. If you don't have love in your heart, what are you? you don't have nothing. Paul said that without love, I am nothing. Worthless. You don't have love in your heart. That's what the Bible said. That's not what Travis Blank said. Number three, 1 John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, say these words with me. He is a liar. No, we got to say that again. That wasn't good enough. I love, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You cannot love God without loving your brother. This is what the Bible tells me. I don't know what your situation is and if this message applies to anyone out there. But the Bible told me that if you claim to love God, but you're holding on to your prejudices, your opinions and beliefs, and, 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 and racist thoughts or whatever, and you claim to love God over here, but you're holding on to this over here, you're a liar. You're a liar, and you got to deal with that. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know some of the, like me and my wife were talking about, tradition to some people even though it may contradict the word of God is more important than them than God is. And guess what the Bible said about that? That those people that profess to love Jesus that are holding on to this stuff over here, you're a liar. And it said that he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot. I don't know if you know what the word cannot mean, but it cannot, when someone says that it can't be done, that means it's impossible. You can't do it. So how can you love God if you don't love your brother? Because the Bible said that you can't. So, so you hate your brother and you hate God too? Or you love your brother and you love God too? The two can't be separated. You know? And I had to deal with this too. You know, I'm not just, the, the, the crazy thing about the word of God is a double-edged sword. I'm cutting you with it, but I'm cutting myself too. The Holy Spirit is cutting me up just as much as he's cutting you up. Next point, 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You know, I was talking in, if Jesus, when God sent Jesus to the earth, Jesus was our visible 
form of God. God is invisible. We've never seen God. Our image of God was Jesus. And the Bible doesn't really talk about a lot of characteristics as it relates to God. And the Bible could have, the Lord could have chosen to tell us any characteristics about himself in the word of God. He could have said that God is righteous, God is holy, God is grace, God is mercy, God is forgiveness. All of those great things, God could have named any of it. Well, he chose to say that God is love. The essence of God is love. So if you don't have love, you don't know God. You don't have God without love. It doesn't matter all the things that you do and the money that you have and blah, 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 blah. Without, without love, you don't have God because God told us one of the only th- characteristics that the Bible gives about God is that he is love. You don't think that's important? He could have told us anything about himself. But he chose to tell us that he is love. So if you don't have love, you don't have God. That's a challenging thing to hear and to apply to your life because you have to deal with this in the depths of who you are. Number five, and this this is encouraging to me because this explains the purpose of love. First Peter 4, 8, well, one of the purposes of love. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You will never go wrong by loving another person. Because the Bible tells me that my brother may not walk like I do. My brother may have said hurtful words to me. He may have hurt me. Uh, History, this may have been done in history, so I'm holding on to it today. But the Bible tells me that love heals. Love covers a multitude of sins, meaning that no matter what happens, love will always heal the situation. You see rioting for justice, killing for justice, hatred on top of hatred, does not equal love. Love covers a multitude of sins. I like how Dr. Martin Luther King said it. Light. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And the words may have been a little bit different, but that's the gist of what he said. You see, hate can't drive out hate. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only love can do that. And that's what the Bible is telling us. Love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't matter what happens. You may be holding on to bitterness or something in your heart because of something somebody said or did to you. Something traumatic may have happened to you in your past that someone's inflicted pain upon you. But guess what? God told you that love covers a multitude of sins. And you know, I'm not naive to just stand up here and say that you have to go back to that person and sing kumbaya and eat lunch with them and eat cupcakes. I'm not saying that. 
But at the same time, I'm telling you that hating that person or being bitter towards that person, it's only going to cause more pain and more bitterness. And it's a vicious cycle. And it's what Satan wants you to do. So you're really assisting Satan in destroying yourself. It's only when you begin to love that the healing starts. Because the Bible told me that love covers a multitude of sins. So you might not be accustomed to a certain culture and how they do things. Or you might have ill feelings towards a certain culture because of something that's been done to you. Or, But love, love is the answer. It's not hatred. This next point, this is where the challenge really begins. 1 John 3, 17 through 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. You see, it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to come in here on Sunday and say, oh, yes, praise Jesus, I love you. Where's the action? You see, there's a hurting world filthy, dirty world out there that needs our action, and not our action in rioting, and not our actions on the presidential ballot. They need the love of Christ. They don't need another voter. We don't need a new president. That's not what we need. You know, that's necessary. Our country isn't in need of a good president. You would think after however many years it's been, we would have found a good president. Obviously, that ain't the answer. sit up here and talk about what we need and what we don't need. But I'm telling you what we need. We need action. Action in the form of love. That's what's going to change the world. You see, Jesus didn't sit on his throne from heaven and say, oh, I know what's going to happen. You guys do this, 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 and then hope that it will change. He left his perfect throne to come to a dirty earth and he showed us what we need. And if Jesus did that, what makes us think that we don't have to put forth action? If Jesus himself, who could have spoken into existence with mere words, but decided instead to come down and show us, what makes us think that we can just use our words if Jesus himself didn't do it? We need action. He said, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It ain't, we passed the point of sitting amongst our peers and in our comfortable groups and just talking about it. But guess what? That action is tough. It's tough to love somebody that believes differently than you do and has different opinions than you do and look differently than you do. It's tough. You don't think it was tough for Jesus to get on that cross? When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to the Lord. And he said in so many words, I'm not going to take time to turn to the scripture. You can look it up. Jesus said, Lord, if it be your will, please remove this cup from me. Jesus was having a tough time because it was tough to love and to put forth that action. He asked God to remove that cup from him. But at the end of that, he said, but Lord, it is your will, not my own. So it's going to be tough when you put forth that action of showing love. 
But if Jesus did it, we must do it. Because Jesus said that you will do even greater things than I have done. He's given us the Holy Spirit to do that. But guess what? Some of us, we haven't truly allowed the Holy Spirit to consume our life. Because this is what I know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit raised a physical human being out of a tomb and up to heaven. That's what the Holy Spirit did. And when you accept salvation, that's what enters you. That same power, that same entity, it enters inside you physically. It really does. Like Sometimes I think we read the Bible as if it's some uh, mythical stories and all that. No, this really happened. Like the Holy Spirit raised a, a dead human being out of a tomb up to heaven. And when you accept that same power inside of your life, it will change you. There's no maybe, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. It's going to change you. The problem ain't with the Holy Spirit. The problem is with us. You see, we want to hold on to our way of doing things. And we just want to sprinkle a little Jesus on top and think that that's going to change things. See, no, you have to, as Paul said in Galatians, you have to die to your flesh. You have to live for God. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to do something amazing with you. He wants to change this world. But guess what you have to do? You have to die to your old self. You have to die to those traditions that contradict the word of God. You have to die to your beliefs and your opinions and your prejudices and your racism and all that stuff. You have to die to all of that stuff and truly give it to God. You see, for me, I'm willing to walk against the whole world if it means that I'm obeying that word. You see, I have so I have family members, I have friends that stand for the wrong thing and want me to join in. But guess what? I ain't afraid to stand against my family. I ain't afraid to stand against my so-called friends. I ain't afraid to stand against people if it means that I'm living for that word of God. I don't care who you are, what you do. That word of God drives my life. I will never stand for something that's not validated by that word of God. And if you truly, if you truly love God, you have to let the Holy Spirit completely take over your life. Not just take over your pains and struggles. You got to let him take some of your beliefs and, and, and change them. You have to allow him to transform you. Because it ain't a matter if he can or if he will. It's just a matter of when you're going to let him do it. You know, going back to the first part of this verse, um, what I'm about to say is inspired by what happened in Dallas when those police officers got killed. And let me just say this. I love officers. I respect them to the fullest and what they do. And I respect the sacrifices that they make. But I always look at things from a kingdom perspective. I wasn't really looking at the natural occurrences of what happened. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's when like four or five police officers got killed um, probably about a few weeks or a month ago in Dallas. And all hell broke loose. Like the, the complete city just stopped, rightfully so. Because you have men and their lives were innocently taken. And the, 
it just seems like everything around them stopped. And they honored them. They raised millions of dollars for the families. And this is what, this is what struck a chord of me. You know, when we get military guys and police officers, and thank you to the military guys as well, when something happens, we honor them to the fullest. But guess what? If a homeless man was out there and he got hit by a car, it might make the news. You see, in America, we value certain people's lives more than we value others. And that's what hurts me. Because the Bible says that, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? You see, when a cop gets killed, we raise millions of dollars in a week. But if people coming in this church building don't know where their next paycheck's going to come from, don't know how they're gonna, where they're going to sleep, don't know if they can get their child a pair of shoes for school, don't know if they can get a backpack for school starting, or folders, or books, or binders. You have people in here that need help every single day, but we have the resources to help them, but we don't do it. The Bible says that how does the love of God abide in a person like that? My problem isn't with how they honor police officers. My problem is, the, is with how we value different lives on certain scales. If your occupation is this, we'll love you and honor you to the fullest. I'll bow down to you. But if you're a homeless man, if you've made mistakes in life, if you don't have a job, if you whatever, you make $10,000 a year, if you've been a drug addict or alcoholic or a porn addict, if you've been all this stuff right here, we ain't honoring that something happened to you and all that. That's our value system. Guess who has to begin to change that? We do. we got to make a change in that. There are people in this building right now probably with enough resources to feed the whole state of South Carolina. But you see people on a day-to-day basis that need your help and you don't help them. You see people that come in this congregation every Sunday and you don't help them. But you'll be the first one to oh praise Jesus. I love you, Lord. When Jesus came down this earth, he didn't say that as long as you're a police officer in the military and all that, I'll die for you.
you can go to certain parts of our country where you can eat off the floor it's so clean and, 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 and so ritzy. Then you can go to certain parts where people are picking food out of the trash can. And you have people in the body. And, and see, I'm not mad at the world because that's how the world is supposed to be. But see, the body of Christ, we're an extension of Christ. We're the ones, that's our responsibility to fix that. And all I'm saying is this, if you truly love God, something about it. You won't, you won't live in the midst of your brothers and sisters and see them in need and not do anything about it. That's all that I'm saying. So if you don't love God, then just keep doing your thing. But if you love God, you need to change the path that we've been walking on. And I'll end with this. First Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Paul told us love never ends. Love will be eternal. Like I said earlier, the answer to what we're going through in this world, it ain't a new president. Your problems in your life, it ain't going to be making more money. Your problems ain't getting that girlfriend or that boyfriend to, to come back to you or whatever. Your problems ain't getting in a bigger house or getting a new pair of shoes and everything will be alright. Your problem is that you don't have the love of God in you. That's what we're going through today. And Paul says that love never ends. There's no way around it. There's no way over it. There's no way under it. You can't. You gotta go through it. Must deal with the issues in your heart and in your life. And if you love God, you have to deal with that in your heart and dig down into the depths of what, what's in your heart. Because the Bible says that you cannot have God without having love. So do you really have God? That's my question to you today. And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want you to this is a moment between you and God. I want you to analyze what's in your heart and do you really have God or not. 